Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Joe Castellano from thesportsvirus.com. Welcome to the Inside China Basin San Francisco Giants baseball podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, featuring players like all-star catcher Buster Posey. It's about, you know, just going out and, and trying to have passion for the game that I've loved since I was a kid. Inside China Basin is brought to you by Sun First Solar, known for delivering solar excellence since 1984 and recently voted best solar company in Marin County. We're also brought to you by TPC Harding Park, the only public golf course in San Francisco offering golfers the opportunity to play where the pros play. Coming up, we got a little bit of the Giants' present, future, and the past as we've got two guests for you. Giants first baseman outfielder Chris Shaw will be joining us from Massachusetts and from Florida. Going back into the past, Scott Ayer, who was part of the 2002 World Series team. But first, I want to tell you about my favorite golf course, TPC Harding Park in San Francisco. TPC Harding Park is now open and accepting tee times at tpc.com slash Harding Park. And TPC Harding Park is also pleased to announce the 2020 PGA Championship has been rescheduled for August the 3rd through the 9th. For additional information, visit tpc.com slash Harding Park or feel free to contact 102PGA at pgahq.com. Chris Shaw was a 2015 first-round draft pick of the Giants out of Boston College, and since then he has worked his way up to the major leagues, but he hasn't had much of an opportunity, and when he's been up in the majors, he hasn't produced the way he would like. He is primed for an opportunity this season after a big year last year in AAA. Let's get to the conversation with Chris Shaw. Well, Chris, it's, it's been a, a long time of, of being off from playing professional baseball. So what have you been doing to keep busy? How are you staying ready uh, for a season? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of just um, staying in you know, the best physical shape you can and uh, trying to you know, maintain everything that we've kind of built up during spring training. Um, it's not something that you know, anybody's necessarily used to, uh, you know, you know, you don't typically gear up and get to, you know, a point where you're two weeks away from, from opening day. And then, um, you have to shut it down for, you know, an extended period of time that, you know, remains unknown. So trying to, uh, you know, get the feel for, for what's the right amount of stuff to do and what's, you know, too much. You don't want to be burnt out. You can't really, um, keep treating it like it's an off season type intensity of lifting. Cause I mean, you'll be dead, um, come the end of the season. So just kind of, Mixing and matching, seeing what's what's working for my body right now. What were you working on in spring training this year? What were some of the things that you were trying to improve on that you you know you could make some adjustments from last year? For me, it's just uh, really continuing um, just with the process I made at the plate last year uh, with you know working counts, waiting for my pitch, and just really understanding um, when I'm uh, you know at my best in the box and and, and what that means. So. It's, it's parts of the zone to hunt. Um, it's knowing, you know, what a pitcher's trying to do and, and kind of just sticking with my plan. Just, we have so much information available now that it's kind of um, it's kind of ignorant to go up there without without some sort of structure to what you're looking to do. But, um, you know, other than that, it was a lot of first uh, first step quickness at first base and you know, just, just trying to really um, 
you know, make myself as good as possible at first base. We'll get to the defense in a minute, but as first as far as the offense is concerned, you know, the, the word that does come into play a lot with you is, is discipline. You know, it was talked about a lot, and you're talking about that right there as as you're saying that, you know, you got to make sure you get your pitch. But when you look at the power numbers, they were always there for you. The thing that, that jumps out is that you cut down on the strikeouts last year and you had a higher on-base percentage. So do you feel like you were really on the right track as far as what you were accomplishing last year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was I was really happy with the way that last year went. I had a pretty clear goal um, going into the year to, um, you know, to, to cut down on my strikeouts and, uh, to, you know, work counts and, you know, not necessarily go up looking for walks, but, you know, letting them come as a byproduct of a good at bat. And, uh, you know, throughout the season, um, I was able to stay a lot more consistent with that kind of mental approach I felt like. And, uh, you know, inevitably it gave me the, the best numbers I've had in a uh, professional season so far. So, you know, just really continuing to have that type of approach and mentality going forward. Um, you know, I really have all the faith in the world that, that it will, uh, it'll translate and, and really help to you know, help me stick at the big league level. Tell us a little bit more about the defensive challenge because you've been in the outfield and at first base, and I know you were an outfielder in college. Then you were playing first base uh, in a ball, and you've kind of bounced around back and forth. So, you know, how much of a challenge is it to keep both positions uh, where you're you're feeling comfortable at all times that you could play either one? And you mentioned that that first step quickness. How do you improve something like that? Uh, well, first step quickness type stuff is is just repetition um you, you do anything especially you know a baseball move like a movement in the in the field um you just you learn how to do things a little more efficiently the, the more volume you do it and uh you make the correct you know moves and whatnot and so it's just getting you know the work in that i need to get done and, and having you know an incredible coaching staff to help with that i mean you know whoa and and, and kai have been have been great so far just working with them and um you know more than that just the transition from outfield back to first base for me i found that the more open i'm able to stay you know mentally and just like willing to do whatever um it, it kind of allows me to just go into things with a positive attitude and um get the most out of them so you know just just staying positive and and just really just looking at it as you know working an opportunity to get better um it has been the best way to kind of really improve with both of those, I feel like. And there's a big difference, too. I mean, when you're in the outfield and you're that far away from home plate and judging fly balls as opposed to being in the infield and in making those throws, I mean, so do you try to get equal work so that you're ready for either one on a, on a given day or maybe a given month? Yeah, during spring training, um, Kai or, or Woe or, or Antoine come grab me um, right when I got to the stadium, and they'd tell me what my day was going to be. Um, it was either first base or it was outfield. And, you know, it was probably, you know, three days of one and four days of the other. So we were getting, you know, pretty close to a 50-50 split. There's a shot high and deep into right center field. Forget about it. Second deck. A spectacular home run for Chris Shaw, and that's his first major league hit. Let's go back, you know, over the last couple of years, because you really haven't had that many chances with the Giants. I mean, you only had 18 at-bats for the Giants last year in, in September, so you know, it's really not like you've had a ton of opportunity, but when you have had it, it had to be really exciting. Go back to two years ago when you had your major league debut and you hit your first home run. Uh, how often do you think about just getting the opportunity 
to have that chance, you know, and, and then, you know, wanting more, obviously. Yeah, I think you just nailed it with the, you know, wanting more. Um, it, it's, look, I, I look back on my debut and my time I've spent in the big leagues and um, I'm incredibly grateful. It's, it, you know, those are things that you'll never take away from me for the rest of my life. Those are memories that um, I'll always have. And, you know, it's something that I worked my entire life for. And, you know, I'm tremendously proud of that accomplishment. Um, you know, but in the same regard, like I want more. Um, you know, I, I want to, you know, have that feeling every single day when I wake up to go to the ballpark and, you know, to, to you know, get to that point where it's not something we're talking about you know, how did it feel, um, and how does it feel? So, uh, just, you know, still working, staying hungry and just, you know, really keeping that drive and confidence in myself to, to know that, you know, I can do it and, um, I will do it. Yeah. Last year was such an emotional year for you. I mean, the ups and downs of it, uh, did that kind of resonate where, you know, Hey, you had to go through that to, to learn how to deal with the emotions. I mean, starting out the season in double a, eventually making it to the major leagues. A lot of things happened last year for you that, uh, you know, you could either get too high or too low, which is what you're trying to avoid, I guess, as a baseball player. Uh, Yeah. You know, I think that last year, um, last year really gave me, um, a little extra motivation that, that, that really never went away throughout the year. Um, you know, anytime you feel like you're kind of backed into a corner like that, um, you, you really start to see what you're made of. And um, I just, that entire year, just there was never a point where I lost that chip on my shoulder. You can call it anger, you can call it uh, whatever you want, but I just, every single day, I just had, um, I felt like I just had something to prove. And it, it drove me throughout the year, and, um, and it's still, like, it, the year from last year is still, driving me i still wake up in the morning and think about it and think about how badly i want to get up and how bad i want to just you know prove myself so it was a it was a great bit of motivation yeah i would imagine so i mean i, I can only imagine too when you got the word that you're going to start out in double a after you had already been in triple a and, and proved yourself and you'd, you'd gotten a little major league shot and then oh you're going to double a i mean how angry were you when you first heard that news did it take a little while to get over it yeah it's uh you know, it's a conversation that, um, you, you know, you could you could probably have the same conversation with with myself and, and some of the members of the front office that were that were a part of the conversation with me. It's it's never a difficult thing, but in the same regard, you know, I respect the fact that they laid out exactly what I needed to do, and you know, they were true to their word. They they told me that if I hit, you know, all these different points they wanted me to hit on throughout the season, that you know, I was going to have an opportunity to play myself back to the big leagues. And I did. And, you know, one of the most gratifying conversations I've had um, in my professional career has been, you know, getting up and, and, and seeing Farhan and having him, you know, come over and say, you know, you know, you walked the walk this year, you earned it. Um, congratulations. That was, uh, that was huge for me because he wasn't somebody that drafted me. He was, you know, new to the organization, new philosophies and ideas. And, um, you know, it was really encouraging to me that I could, proven myself that you know i can't adapt on the fly and uh you know when when the going gets tough you know really really turn it on so it was uh it was a lot of anger but you know through that you know a lot of good things happened 
Now, you put up a great season last year. I mean, you hit almost 300. You also had 28 total home runs between AA and AAA, 21 of them in, in the PCL. And I was looking at hitting over 300 against lefties. I mean, what are some of the accomplishments that you are proud of from last year? Uh, you mentioned, you know, get, getting your own pitch to your hit to hit. Uh, what else are you looking at as saying, hey, you know, I'm really glad I accomplished that last year? Yeah, the uh, the splits were huge for me because the year I'd always felt like I hit lefties really well. I've always felt real comfortable against them. Um, but 2018, my splits were, you know, I don't know if it's it's a byproduct of bad luck, you know, batting average on balls and play or whatnot. But I think I hit something like 200 off lefties in 2018, which um, I was disgusted with. So <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, I, I just I was I was like, just not me. Um, you know, those are the things that really keep you up at night. But um, I went in and I just made a real concerted effort to, to focus on um, really bearing down against lefties. And, you know, the results came. And um, I'm back to, you know, being really confident off both left and right-handed and right-handed pitchers. But, uh, you know, other than that, um, you know, I just, I was just happy with the year just in general. Um, I, was just, I was just really content with it. You know, just before you got called up, there was the three-homer game. And, uh, you know, for anybody to hit three homers in a game, it's remarkable in itself. But for you, I mean, you, you know, it was one of those things where you changed your walk-up music to, to ABBA <laughs> Dancing Queen. So did it sort of – I mean, I don't know if you're a superstitious person, but did it sort of make you think, oh, wait, you make a change like that and, and you have a game like that? It's one of those unfor- for unforgettable games, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, you know – any baseball player will tell you that they are superstitious to a certain extent. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I fall into that category of guy that if I go up with a, with a song and, you know, something good happens, I'm going to stick with that song. So (laughs) I definitely kept the, kept dancing queen the rest of the year. And uh, I was planning on having it uh, for this year. So hopefully I'll get the opportunity to do that again. What about Hunter Pence's bat? I understand you used that for your first career home run. How how much longer did you use Hunter Pence bats after that? <laughs> I still have a bunch of them. I still hit with them <laughs> in the cage and whatnot. They don't. I don't see quite as much gameplay as uh, as they used to. But um, that was awesome that he did that for me and uh, something that you know I have that bat hanging above my my bed at home. So something I'll always remember and you know be grateful for for HP for. Speaking of home, uh, you know, it's a dream just to get to the major leagues, but to get to the major leagues and then get an opportunity to play at Fenway last year. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I saw the quote that you know you said something about it being the best day of your life. Just take us through that day. They, they named you named it Chris Shaw Day in Lexington, Massachusetts, September the 18th, 2019. What a special day. Uh, it was incredible. Um, you know, to be to be able to come home and you know I grew up less than 10 miles from Fenway and uh it was you know me and my friends growing up we looked at the Red Sox players like they were you know walking gods um (laughs) and we looked at Fenway as just like this magical place that um you know we all just we would go to games and we'd all get goosebumps and it's something that you, you dream of forever when you're in this area and uh to get that opportunity and to have the town of Lexington honor me. I mean, I'm literally at uh, Lexington High School field right now um, playing like a simulated game, bullpens and whatnot with, you know, all Lexington kids that play professional ball and, and college ball and then all the other guys in the area. I guess word's cut out that we're playing here. And it's 
<laughs> you know, to come back and it's it's all the same passion around here. And, it, you know, I can see with all these, like, these guys get that same opportunity. It would mean the exact same thing to them. So um, being local and just how difficult it is from the Northeast to get up and whatnot, it, it just meant a ton to, to not only myself, but, you know, it, it meant a lot to me because I knew what it meant to everybody else here, too. And when you first walked out on that field in the Giants uniform, and you knew your family and friends were going to be in the stands and everything, what was the emotion? I mean, what went through your mind when you first went out there? I couldn't stop smiling. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I try to remain pretty serious when I'm getting ready for a game, but I just I couldn't, I couldn't, keep, the, uh, couldn't keep the teeth inside my jaw that day. I was just, I was just happy and smiling and... Uh, you know, like I've said multiple times already, it was, it was the best day of my life. <laughs> and sometimes, I mean, you think back, you go way back to when you were a kid and, and how much you love the game of baseball. Does that kind of stick with you? I, I know I heard that you were a wiffle ball player. You know, just the basic uh, getting out there and playing baseball with friends. Does it still stay within you even though now you're in, you know, the professional ranks? Yeah, that's, uh, that's something that I've uh, – I've always tried to stress um, it's just to enjoy it. Derek Jeter had a great quote. Um, you know, he said that he's not going to retire until the game stops being fun for him until it stops, until it starts to feel like a job. And, you know, that's, that's, that's my same mentality. I, I still love it. It's still, you know, the same feeling I would get when me and my buddies would build a wiffle ball field in my backyard growing up. And, you know, we'd be out there all day playing and, um, and it's the same feeling I'm having literally right now. I'm, I'm looking out my car window watching a kid, Charlie Smith, who's a sophomore at Lexington High School, pitch against a kid who was a grade above me at Lexington High School, who's now going to med school at Michigan. He's just out here to have some fun, and <laughs> it's you know, it, like this is just a blast. And I just, I don't, know, I love baseball. I don't think I'll ever stop. And I know you really loved hockey too, and you're a really good hockey player. But is there something about the the romance of baseball that uh, you know took you into the sport rather than take the hockey route? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, the, I mean, that conversation is a little more complicated as far as what, why I chose what. But uh, I definitely think that when I think about you know soup to nuts, baseball, what it means to me. Um, yeah, it's, it's America's pastime. It's, it's the beauty of playing all summer with your friends and, you know, all the memories I have growing up with it and whatnot. And it's, yeah, it's, you're still, you're still really romantic about the game. All right. Last thing before I let you go, Chris, uh, you know, I know you'd faced a little adversity before at Boston college. I mean, you didn't get off to the the best start with a bat and you, you know, you battled through it. It just seems like you're the kind of guy who uh, has the work ethic that you'll battle through anything. Is that maybe one of the things that you're most proud of and, and makes you think that, you know, you can, you can get through anything because being a major leaguer and succeeding at it and being consistent, it's, it's one of the most difficult things to do, you know, in sports hitting a baseball, as they say, is so difficult. Uh, so do you think your attitude about it is really going to be a plus? Absolutely. You know, uh, <laughs> stay tuned. I'm not done and, and I'm not going to quit. I just, I, I I can't I can't ever picture myself getting to a point where I'm willing to walk away um, having left a stone unturned. It's just I I just wouldn't be able to live myself. I didn't give everything I had, and it's kind of how I've been my entire life. And you know I have been um, you know against odds, so to say, for for a good amount of my life, uh, baseball wise, and um, I've always 
really love the challenge of going out and being able to prove everybody wrong. And the last thing, I, I've told this story before. It was a few years ago. I was driving into the parking lot in San Jose because I was doing the television work for Comcast, and my car almost got hit by one of your uh, <laughs> your batting practice homers. We won't have that problem at Oracle Park because that would end up in San Francisco Bay. So <laughs> yep. I can only imagine how great that would be to see you hitting some balls into the bay, right? Oh, man. I think about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Chris. Hey, good luck and uh, look forward to seeing you on the field again soon. Thanks a lot for the time. Okay, Joe. Take it easy. That's Chris Shaw coming up. We're going to hear from former Giants lefty Scott Ayer right after this. Jones goes back, back near the wall, shading the sun, and he dropped it. He lost the ball in the sun. Let's put the sun to good use at home with a Sun Power residential solar system. Your Sun Power elite dealer, Sun First Solar, has a wide range of financing options, and they provide the finest customer service from start to finish, regardless of size or scope. Sun First Solar offers the highest efficiency systems, newest technology, and the best warranty in the world. Sun First Solar offers the most competitive price, while not compromising on quality. This summer, let the sun heat your pool and eliminate your energy bill. Don't drop the ball. Call Sun First Solar at 415-458-5870. That's 415-458-5870. And get your Sun Power solar system today. Scott Ayer joining us from Florida. And uh, Scott, it's sort of like a where are they now from the 2002 <laughs> World Series Giants. Scott Ayer is in Florida. How are you enjoying life? What are you up to these days, Scott? I am about to weather out a big lightning storm coming through. I'm going to try to get the dogs out to go to the bathroom before it starts pouring. Those that don't know, the Florida pouring rain is nasty. Um, other than that, just been hunkering down like the rest of the country. You know, hang. I've, it's, I've, I'll be selfish. I've got to hang out a lot with my kids who are college boys. So I was kind of like good they were home and a little bit bad. <laughs> but it's been a lot of fun, I'll tell you, for me. I know a lot of people have had way worse obviously but for me personally it's been a lot of fun having them home and hanging out actually i enjoy really not going anywhere because i have that you know i gotta go some places but do my pitching lessons but other than that just hanging out i just saw one of our 2002 world series games on tv the other day where barry hit the homer in the ninth off a of purse yeah, a lot of people are uh, reminiscing now. This is the time to think back. And uh, when you do think back on 2002, what does come to mind first for you? Come to mind is me getting traded from uh, uh, basically a fourth, third. I think we were, the Blue Jays were in fourth place that year. getting uh -huh. Pitching against the Giants in that interleague series. And doing, as, as I was told, I did, I did so well against the hot-hitting uh, – Damon Miner, he was on fire at that point, I guess, and J.T. Snow. I didn't face Barry, but I got all my lefties out, and they needed a lefty to spell, I believe it was Fulty, Aaron. And then, I think he got hurt or something happened, but they were there was a few lefties that year. One of them was like Troy Brohan was there uh, in Zerby. Uh, but I think I was more – the most I remember is getting – driving uh, – about to go to a fish farm, like to go fishing with my little kids. They were young, young at the time to go to like this little hatchery type thing in Michigan because I was basically designated by the Blue Jays. So we drove down from Toronto right to my father-in-law's house, um, <clears throat> my, my wife's childhood home, and we were hanging out there for a couple of days to see what happened. And 
we were seriously about to walk out the door, and when the phone rang, no cell phones back then. <laughs> <laughs> the phone rang, and uh, it was uh, oh god, who was it? It was it wasn't it was it Ned? It was, no, it was my agent actually, and then Ned Galetti, and then Brian Sabian, and then everyone else. But you know, and then I'd been traded. But yeah, that was that was probably the most the biggest exciting news. I went from a last place team to, you know, I, I, I believe we were a game out of the wild card when I got there in August, like August fourth or fifth or sixth, something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, so you only have a, a couple more months left in the season. It's got to be strange to to join a new team like that and a team that's eventually headed to the World Series. So you know, tell us about the experience of you know joining a team, getting to know new teammates, and realizing how good that team was. I talk a lot, so getting to know new teammates was always my was always easy. Whether I annoyed them or not, I got to know them. Um, but it, it was different because it was a, it was a I'd never been in a clubhouse like that. There was no music, TVs went off at a certain point. I'd only had a couple years of big league time at that point. I probably two two and a half, maybe three. Um, I had some time with the White Sox and the Blue Jays was all. So the way those clubhouses were run was different. You went to San Francisco that. Guys walked around that had music on, they had their headphones in. You know, it was, was kind of not somber, but um, that's when I first walked in, I'm like, wow, what happened in here? You know, it's kind of all of a sudden you turn down the volume to like two, and you're like, whoa, 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 what happened? And it's not. That's just how they, it was business. But well, there was lots of fun mixed in on the side. You went into the food room, and everybody's screwing around in there, in the weight room. Guys are doing their stuff. So it was a place that it was a, truly a clubhouse I'd never been in where you could go. Like, I got to and had never been anywhere where it was just all business like that. Not saying other places were unprofessional. Don't get me wrong. But it was like, when you went in the in the, the clubhouse part of it, like where media was, it was not a lot. There was not a lot of yelling. It was not like when Armando Benitez came in 2005 and cranked up the radio <laughs> super loud. And it was, a, it was a salsa dance in there every day. It was, you know, and it was different. I kind of enjoyed it because it, I think it made me pay more attention, honestly, because I was, you know, I was all over the place especially there. Um, but it was also cool for me I coming to see, coming there. I grew up a Dodgers fan. I know, boo-boo. <laughs> but, and I, got, I met and got Dusty Baker to sign a hat, my Dodgers hat, when I was like 13, 12 or 13, I can't remember. But I, my mom somewhere still has the hat, or I had it somewhere in storage. I showed it to him when I got there. A couple, you know, a couple, months, a couple weeks later, I had my mom send it to me. I'm like, Mom, send me my hat, seriously. So it was like, that was one of the coolest things ever for me. I was always that. I got awed by my heroes or guys that I enjoyed watch playing. Very much so. Well, that yeah, that was more of a veteran team, and there weren't that many young yeah. players on that team, and, you know. So I, I would think maybe that's one of the reasons why you know not loud music and that they're, they're all business because yeah. they've all been around. Yeah. And you pitched really well. What what clicked for you? You pitched really well. I you know I don't know if it was just being around that. Like I said, I think it made me better being around that professionalism, like. The, the, I had to pay more attention. I really had to focus. I really had to honestly felt like I really had to you always know, should be proving yourself. And I wish I'd have learned that at a younger age, but I felt like I really had to focus and I wanted to pitch. I wanted to go to the playoffs. I knew you didn't only certain guys made the playoffs, but also, you know, I know Dusty's always taken flack for use of his pitchers and this and that, but I also think he put me in situations for me to succeed. Uh-huh. You know, not that I did it every time, but in those, like, I think I pitched in 20-some games in a month and a half. And it was always one batter here, maybe two batters there. I remember a game where I came in for Timmy Worrell. Timmy had loaded up the bases, and we had two outs, and he had, I think they wanted to switch Jose Vizcaino around to right-handed, and I got a fastball in on him and jammed him. And Tim hit me so hard with a high five 
that to this day I still remember it. But <laughs> he put you in situations like where Vizcaino was not good at all versus righties. You know, he put he just put me in situations to succeed. And you know, Dave Rigetti in your ear talking about you know this and that from the lefty point of view. And you know, then you got guys like for me it was like awesome because I had Rob Nannan down there, I had Tim Worrell, you know, Jason Schmidt, all those guys talking about pitching all the time. I as many big league guys I'd been around at the time, big pitchers, you know, some guys with some service time around. I never really got to sit and talk and learn about, or I never took the time to learn, I should say, not that they didn't offer, uh, things like that. And I think I just, I don't know, I think I was given a chance to to grow up a little bit right there. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a nice turnaround for you because, you know, in well, your career you'd been in the American League, and, and normally, the, you know, the numbers are definitely going to be higher in the AL, but I mean, in 21 appearances that year with the Giants, 1.59 ERA. I mean, that was great. I had, you know, I also had, I also had some pretty good game, uh, you know, uh, game callers behind, you know, the dish. Oh, yeah. Santiago is not too, uh, not too dumb back there. He And it's funny too, because I, I had some pretty good catchers in my time, Charlie O'Brien in Toronto a little bit. And some of these guys, you know, they taught you a little bit here and there, basically just said, don't shake me off. Benito came to me after the first week or so I was there. He caught me a couple times. He goes, okay, kid. <laughs> okay, kid, this is what we're going to do. And I said, all right. He goes, and he told me exactly what we were going to do. We're going to throw this and this, this and that, do that. I'm like, okay. He goes, I got you. Trust me. I'm like, okay. But he also told me, I do remember this specifically. He said, if you're thinking something else, shake your head. Don't be mad at me. <laughs> so, you know, he was, you know, things like that. It was like you just, you see the perfect. It was a veteran team. You know, Kenny Lofton, I forget, is even there. Jeez, I forgot I played with him. <laughs> uh, just all these guys you play ball with, and you just – Yorvi Torrealba was just a baby back then. I think he was still a really good game caller. So I'm just lucky to be there, honestly. Yeah, well, Kenny Lofton had that game-winning hit in the oh. NLCS that sent you guys to the World Series. Tell us about those emotions. I mean, the first time that you're going to the World Series in your career, when he gets that base was hit, it? that was pretty good. Oh, yeah. It was uh, some aha moments when I got there. You know, first time warming up in the bullpen. I, I was kind of warming up. I warmed up really quickly. I was, I was one of those that got loose real fast. And so I kind of thrown my pitches. And I was kind of staring around. And then Nen said something to me. And I said, nah, just kind of enjoying it. This is pretty cool. And I said, but, yeah, I'm a little nervous. I said something like that. You know, I, I was. You know, I don't remember if I even went in at that point. Uh, I think it was game one or two. And I didn't pitch, but anyway, it's yeah, you know, just a lot to take in. It, I was lucky enough to go back later in my career to a couple more World Series, and I honestly think I have some of the games we with the Giants that that year. I couldn't even tell you this. I couldn't honestly tell you which games we won and lost. I know we <laughs> lost six and seven, and that all that matters, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I could. But the, the it was just because I think I was in such awe of being where I was. It was you know just amazing. Lucky I got to do it. I got to do it three times, dang it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in your career, you won one with the Phillies in 08. Yep. And, uh, and just looking at the numbers, NLCS and World Series combined, you had 15 appearances, nine innings, no earned runs. So you thrived yeah. in those situations. So I guess you got over any nervousness. I did good. Yeah, that was one thing I was very proud of. Uh, you know, limited time, obviously, you know, just nine innings. But I'm very, very proud to say when it – it was also situations – you know, that were, again, like, like Felipe Alou, or not Felipe, I'm sorry, Charlie Manuel, you know, a couple games in the World Series in 08, he put me in facing a lefty that 
wasn't the best off of lefties. And, you know, like a certain situation, he put you in a right situation to succeed. And I, I, you know, I got the job done, thankfully. But, you know, again, it comes down to, like you asked, about situations. It's, you know, he put in the right one, give the guy a chance to do it, and it's easier. We'll have more with Scott Ayer in just a moment. We all know that solar systems make financial sense and environmental sense. And when it comes to choosing the best installation crew in the business, Sun First Solar should be your first choice. Sun First Solar has provided solar excellence since 1984. They are Sun Power Elite Commercial and Elite Residential installers with a reputation for technical excellence, innovative design, fair pricing, excellent customer service, and end to end quality and competence. Sun First Solar is a family business devoted to treating their employees, customers, the community, and the environment with respect, and they are devoted to renewable energy and sustainability throughout the Bay Area. There is no roof or project that is too complicated. Sun First has successfully installed solar on Spanish tile roofs, metal roofs, and very steep roofs. They also have extensive experience in solar ground mounts and solar pool heating. Competitive pricing expert consultation, and the best warranty. Go local and get your Sun Power solar system from Sun First Solar today. Call Sun First Solar at 415-458-5870. That's 415-458-5870. You know, the, the Giants won three World Series in the last decade, but yeah, still, was- still, there's a lot of Giants fans who think back to that 0-2 team and what could have been because that was a great team. You guys were in position to win the World Series, and I know oh, that yeah, it had to be course. devastating to lose that game six. So what was your reaction to it? Uh, I think we're honestly and truthfully in awe of what happened. You know, it was like a 12-pitch at-bat to Spezio that kind of finally put the nail with the home run, something like that, 10, 9-10-pitch at-bat, and he just, you know, very cleared the wall in right field. But I think a lot of us sunk. To know the, I know there's not a – a word spoken in the clubhouse after the game. It was pretty much go in. I don't remember eating a food after the game. But the next day, we, I, man, if I, unless I'm dumb, which I'm not, <laughs> our, our step, our, the next day when we got to the field, you know, I, there was all the controversy of who was going to start. I think all I ever heard from anyone in the clubhouse was positivity. Like, we, were, we had this. We were going to win. You know, and then we got shut down by John Lackey. You know, crap happens. It does. I mean, but it's hard to get over that, I, I would imagine, once it's oh, over. It was. Right? It was. But, again, it's one of those things where I was so young, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll be in the playoffs and we'll do this. And, you know, then the next year, we, 03, we had a really good younger team. And wasn't that much younger, but we seemed to lose. You know, you lost a few guys and we won 100 games and lost in the first round. So <laughs> you just never know what's going to happen in the postseason. So, yeah. Yeah, those disappointments are tough. When you have a really good team, you think you have that opportunity. I remember I talked to Tim Worrell about it, and he told me that he had to take a long drive after that. I don't remember where he went, but but he uh, you know he really had to sort it out in his head because it's it's hard to just get over it uh, you know after one day. And see, and that's where the difference is. I think for me that year, those guys. I like you said, I was only there August September. I got there for the two months, so I got. You're you're fully invested mentally and everything else, but I did, and I got when I when we lost in '09. When I lost in '09, I know exactly what Warrell Timmy felt in '02. I was there all year in 2009. I thought we were going to win. We had the team to win, and we lost with the Phillies. Oh, yeah, losing hurt. to and the I, Yankees. And yeah, with the Phillies in '09. Yeah, I lost to the Yankees, and I also was retiring after that year. I was going to going to call it quits and just stay home. And 
you know, I got to over 10 years of service time. I had a good career. It's time to spend with my kids and stuff. So, you know, I was all good with that. And then when we lost, oh, I didn't want to watch baseball, look at baseball, hear about baseball. I didn't want to be at home with my kids. I didn't want to be at home with the <laughs> wife. I didn't want to be anywhere. I just wanted to go back and take that whatever inning it was that we lost in game six. Come inside. Come on. It's raining. Let's go. You know, I didn't want to be around anyone. So I know exactly. It was a different feeling. And not to say I don't didn't, you know, wasn't disappointed, like, truly in 02. But it was different for me, I think, because I was only there for a little bit. Same in 08. I, I, I feel like I, I was on a World Series winning championship team, but I was only there for two months and then the playoffs. I still feel like I, what, what made it nice is, you know, my teammates then told me, you know, we're not here without you. It made you feel different, but it's just not, to me, it wasn't the same unless you were there the whole time. Not, I don't mean to, I'm not taking away from anyone that's won one like I did, you know, in two months. I don't mean to say it like that. Right. That's kind of how it came out, but. <laughs> Let's talk. Let's talk about some of the uh, funner moments that you had because I, you were a guy who definitely liked to have some fun. I, I remember hearing something about how you watched a game through the scoreboard one time. Was that in Houston? Well, it's just in Houston. The the scoreboard. Everybody laughed so much. Like it wasn't a big deal. We did it every day. Just just had a conversation with Carlos Lee one day, and they caught it on film. Um, the, <laughs> the scoreboard is literally right. You can walk to the underground scoreboard. Um, right from the bullpen. It's just around the corner. It's not, it's like the operators of the scoreboard have to come through the bullpen actually. So it's right there. So I just had to, had removed a zero from a score on the bottom. and was watching the game and I <laughs> peeked my head out and everybody made a big deal. Like I did something totally crazy. Like I didn't do anything crazy at all. The crazier thing I did was, was uh, in spring training in Philadelphia and Clearwater. I went up onto the, they were talking, I told the guys in the bullpen, Durbin and Chad Durbin and Clay Condry and Brad Lidge, I said, hey, next inning, look up top of the stadium, I'll, I'll wave to you. He's like, what? I said, I'll be right back. So I went to the Clearwater thing, I walked into the, up on, it's a short story, I walked in and asked Ruben Amar, I said, hey, I'm going to go watch the rest of this game from the roof, is that okay? And he went, okay, sure. I don't think he even knew I was, but I had his permission. <laughs> So I went to the staircase where I knew it was, and I went up and sat on the roof. I sat. I was sitting ten feet back of the edge, fully safe. You know, I'm afraid of heights, by the way. Like not that scary, but I, so I was far back, and some guy from the side, you know, because the stadium hooks around, could look up and see me. <laughs> well, all of a sudden, about about I was up there for like an inning, and the bullpen's pointing at me, and all of a sudden, I turn around, and there's like four security guards. I'm not joking. Four security guards that had come up to the roof. Hey, uh, you need to come down. I'm like. That why and I turn I look I go why is there four of you I mean seriously I gave up a homer yesterday but I'm not gonna jump I got it I and looking back at it now yeah I get it but I thought it was funny so <laughs> well you could sort of be a little incognito right I mean you know they, they didn't I probably could have I probably could have put some, yeah I left my full uniform I had my pullover on so <laughs> but you know there well, is yeah. a, there is a lot of downtime uh, in the bullpen oh. you guys get to know each other so well. But, I mean, I would think yeah. that there's a, some time for some shenanigans, right? Oh, there always is. You know, there's some shenanigans. There's could be games played, you know, word games. Like if you start with a rock band that starts with an A and it's like Motley Crue, you got to come up with a C and you'd have to say, you know, the Counting Crows, ooh, that's a double, it reverses, blah, 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 things like that. <laughs> Those are minor league games played in the big league sometimes. Uh, just to keep past time, there was always stories somewhere. Oh, where was I at in Toronto? We had some younger kids 
we even had a former Utah player with us, Brandon Lyon, and we would tell uh, they would. One of the guys was telling me one time. He's like, "All right, high school story time, glory days, go." You and they'd point and they're like, "You, Brandon, high school glory days, give me a good game." And you'd have to like recreate or in your mind like tell them about this some high school game you did well in or something. Just a veteran guys would do something like that. I got yeah, funny stuff. <laughs> But the best, the best I ever had was Mick Billmeyer in Philadelphia. It was all jokes and laughing and this and that. And he would bust out this one time. And, you know, the stories, well, he'd been in the game a long time. And fifth inning would hit or a situation in the game would hit. He'd go, all right, it's go time. And then there was no more jokes, no more laughing. It was like the straight professionalism. It was the best place to be in ever because you knew when you could screw around and when you couldn't. <laughs> he just told you. Well, people don't realize, you know, especially for a left-hander like yourself, that when you make 86 appearances like you did in 05, you led the National League, you only pitched 68 innings. So you're coming mm-hmm. in and you're barely in there. So you're, all your focus is on maybe a couple of hitters or a few outs or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And to spend all day, and that's it. That's where you really have to focus mm-hmm. and be good. It's an unusual occupation when you think about it. Yeah, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> once I learned, once I got a be- once I got the, the mental part of it, it was a lot of fun because, well, they also did that year. I pitched in eighty six games. I think they said they they I want to say it was Stanford, but I'm not sure which. There was a local college or someone was doing a study, and they were taking like uh, the use of our how many throws do you actually make? So think about it, if I pitched eighty six times. Or Chad, or Jim Brower, the next year pitched 89 times that that year, whatever it was. So that means you warmed up, got fully ready to go into a game at least 86 to, 86 days out of 180. Right. So <laughs> how many times did I warm up a game and didn't even go in a game? Normally it was once or twice a game at least for a long that year. So that, I think they said I actually warmed up 115 times that year. Like, fully ready to go into a game. Like, you're fully ready. You've actually been pitching in the bullpen. You've thrown five, six pitches. So it's the same as for me as pitching sometimes. How about warming up sometimes for three innings, and I threw two pitches in L.A. once. I got double play. <laughs> and that's it. I warmed up two innings in a row. So I probably threw 40 pitches in the bullpen. I threw two in the game and got two outs, and when I was done. <laughs> Again, it's a strange, it can be a strange occupation. Pitching yeah. in San Francisco, oh, yeah. how much did you enjoy just, you know, the fans, oh. the atmosphere, the ballpark? Uh, you can give up some deep fly balls and still get away with it, too. Oh. Yeah. Um, it, by far, and I, I, it, I can say this without, like, any hesitation, the, by far my favorite place to play a baseball game, like, anywhere. The visiting stadium, if I could play a game there every day in my entire career, that would have been awesome. But – I like my career. I went. I went a lot of places and met a lot of people. So, but if you have a have another world, I could play every game out there. It's beautiful. You know, you think you think about how much baseball has changed, uh, especially in the way that it's covered and with social media and everything. Oh, yeah. So when you watch it now from afar, can you imagine? You know, just how different it is for these players now as opposed to when you were playing. And you know, now that's not going back that far, but it's going back ten years. Okay, so we, we were talking about that. So I thought about it. I didn't actually watch it, but the Jordan thing that just came out. Could you imagine if Jordan played the last eight years in the NBA with all the social media today? Oh, yeah. We wouldn't need a, we wouldn't need a documentary because we'd have more info than that documentary had. <laughs> right. It's crazy. Like you said, you could, to, to, be, and it sound, to be famous today, personally, I think that would suck. <laughs> right. 
Cause, you know, to, like, could you imagine being a Kardashian? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you have to have people around you all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Like, protecting you just from crazy people. Not like they're going to hurt you or anything, but from, I got cornered at Cubs convention one year because I kind of thought I could walk around on my own. No, no, no. It was a bad idea. I got literally condo into a quarter and people were just handing stuff up to get autograph. I'm like, oh, please let me out of here. Finally, one of the security guys found me. He had to, I was, I was backed into a corner for real. It's, it can be crazy. Now, can you imagine if it was someone like, like a Ryan Dempster on the Cubs that year, like a bigger name player, someone that, you know, I, I get it. I don't, I don't think I'd want to <laughs> be like that. Well, I think the first thing that people had to do with you, because I remember when I saw you in the minor leagues, I was broadcasting in Rochester. The first thing oh, I said, really? I oh, saw your nice. name. I saw E-Y-R-E, and I'm like, how do you pronounce that? And so yeah, I, I was curious. Like, I wonder if any PA announcers just butchered your name over the years when you were in the minors. Um, big leagues. My very first big league start was in Anaheim, and the announcer announced, and he said, uh, my mom went up and corrected him, I believe, is what the story I was told. I don't know if it was her. Someone told an usher. I think that someone just told an usher. I had a lot of family there. But he pronounced, he said, you know, something going over the starting lineup and, and starting on the mound for the visiting White Sox, number 36, making his major league debut, Scott Iyer. <laughs> so, and you just look up. Iyer. You probably looked up and go, wait a minute. What are you doing? I actually didn't hear it. Um, and truthfully, I, I didn't hear it. I've, I've seen the video. Uh, I have the video on, well, it's on a VHS. I'm so old. It's, uh, <laughs> I have that, and I've actually heard in the background. But I, ne- I didn't hear it when I was playing that night. I was so nervous. I was so nervous. Tony Pena is my, was my first big league catcher, and he's putting down – sorry to get off track. He's putting down uh, no signs. It's the first pitch in, in the big leagues, and he, he doesn't put down a sign. I'm standing there. And he he just looks at me and waves his hand like fastball, fastball, dummy. And he tells me after the inning, tells me after the inning, he goes, "What the hell were you, else were you going to throw your first big league pitch?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I, I I got him, but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> hey, that's funny how you remember that. You know, so specifically that little, the yeah. first time. Little everything. things. Yeah, the little yeah. things. So if you fast forward to now, let's say you were playing now, and they're contemplating whether or not they're actually going to play with COVID nineteen and all that. How scary would that be for you? I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm one that believes there's uh, maybe an overreaction to it, to the, whatever it is, the, you know, by the numbers. But I'm not a, it doesn't matter what I think. It's got to be a matter what their, your, their union thinks, what they think is best for the players. But I know some players have voiced certain things, and I don't know. I don't know if I'd say, any, like you just said, like we were just talking about social media nowadays, I don't know if I'd ever say a word about it to anybody and just go along with what happens. But if you don't feel safe, there's, you know, I, I don't know if I'd play. Yeah, I mean, it's a bad, it's a bad look uh, for somebody like Blake Snell saying, mm-hmm. "Yeah, I'm not going to take that deal. I don't want to take a pay cut right now." To yeah. say that, I and mean, you may feel that way, but to say it when you've got people struggling, kind of a bad look, right? People struggling, restaurants open for sixty years, trying to close them because you know, to just yeah, just don't say anything. And that's my opinion. But again, I didn't, have, and I didn't have to play in this era of you know, the social stuff. And he was on like a, was he on some kind of like podcast or something or, well, no, it's the one where you can watch somebody play video games. Yeah. He was, he was doing some video game thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to put a capper on that. Going back to the, the O2 season. I mean, I think a lot of people yeah. think about Barry Bonds, Jeff Kent, that team and what it almost accomplished, but those two guys just, what was it like being around them? Because, 
you know, people talk about how maybe they didn't get along, but but they were they were quite a quite a tandem when you think about what they accomplished on the field. I actually heard I don't remember which one said it actually. I think it was Barry. He said in the interview, he goes, I don't have to like anybody on this team or something like that. He goes, but when they step on the field and they play as hard as that man, and he was talking about Jeff, I think this is what he said, talk plays as hard as that man does, you high-five him when he hits a homer. You high-five him when he scores a run. You treat him as your teammate. And after the game, we don't have to talk. We don't have to do anything. We have nothing in common. Something like that. It was along that, those lines, there was something like that said. And once I heard that, I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Because that's how it was. I don't, I don't think I ever saw them talking. But I'll dang, I'll dang sure you go look at video. You find video of uh, a new pitcher coming in, and you'll see the two of them standing at the top. Like if Jeff's about to hit, he's standing at the top, and Barry's talking about the pitcher, or Ron Wotus was sitting there talking about the – they talked about the game. They were, they were, you know, on the same team when it came down to the word team, you know? Yeah. yeah. When, when they went, from what I saw, them playing on the field together, they played hard all the time. Yeah, and that was that was a fun season to think about. Thanks a lot for sharing some memories, Scott. Uh, well, wish you, you wish man. you yeah wish you the best, and uh, maybe we'll see you out here sometime at the ballpark. Sometime it'd be nice to get back out that way. It's beautiful, so I'll bring my jacket. That's former Giants lefty Scott Ayer. I want to thank him and Chris Shaw for joining us on today's podcast. Join us again next week for another edition of Inside China Basin on the Believe Podcast Network. For now, I'm Joe Castellano from thesportsvirus.com. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 